Amen. It is so good to come to the house of the Lord and to be able to worship together, you know, as God's family. And it's great that you made it here today. Okay, I just need to say that uh, because, you know, we've lost an hour and that's always kind of uh, discombobulates life just a little bit. And you, you made it for those that made it. Uh, I just want to thank you for being here, honor you for that, and some some I know uh, had some other things going on, or they just didn't make it, so anyhow. Uh, I want to share with you, uh, we're continuing our series in, in the book of Acts, and so I invite you today to go to Acts chapter 1, and we finished in verse 11 last Sunday, and so this Sunday we're going to pick up at verse 12, and we're going to go ahead and read on through through verse 26. It's a, a lengthy passage. And so for those of you that have a little bit of ADHD like I do, uh, I am a little, probably a little hyperactive. And, uh, and, and so it's, it's tough for me when there's a kind of a long text. So bear with me, hang with me, those that have a little extra energy as we, we read the text. But I, I want to say I, I'm reminded as I read the passage and I, I begin to kind of get excited about talking about the church. I always do. I always get excited about talking about the church. And I, I want to just kind of stand and I, I, I want to I say it. I want to shout it from the mountaintops. And kind of remind me of some of the things, the uh, discussions we had when I was working on a master's of biblical studies and preaching, with emphasis in preaching. And, and we were talking about the different, you know, styles, the different speaking styles. And there are dramatic differences between speaking styles. You know, uh, there is a style that's kind of like a professor. It's kind of like an administrator where... You know, uh, he has a lot of rich substance, but it, it's, it's like the professor that is speaking. And you, you might say, well, man, that, that preacher, he's a teacher. He's a great teacher. And it sounds kind of like a professor. And then there are, there are, are pastors that speak kind of like um, when he comes over and he visits you and he sits at your kitchen table and you give him a cup of coffee. By the way, I love coffee, so if I come over, coffee is good. I want you to know that, okay? Uh, and and so, so some guys speak kind of like he's at your house, and he's sitting at the kitchen table, and he's having a cup of coffee, and he's just kind of, it's just kind of like a conversation. You know what I'm saying? It's just kind of like a conversation. You're just kind of talking more back and forth kind of like this. But then there's some guys that stand in the doorway. They've arrived at your home, so to speak, and they stand in the doorway and they're talking to everybody in the room. And I kind of tend to be that kind of guy. I, I kind of tend to be the proclaimer where I'm standing in the doorway and I, especially when I read about the church and I, get, I start reading about Jesus, I get excited. That kind of hyperactive part of me kicks in. And I want to just talk about Jesus. Is that okay? Amen? Is it okay? We just talk about Jesus. Get excited about Jesus. And when we go to the early church, again, book of Acts, building our faith, we go to the early church, I think there's some things to say, wow, this, this is inspiring. Now, in the beginning, you know, it's a time that they, they, they're getting organized. And they're kind of informally thinking about the directive of the church. And, and really, they're thinking about this new chapter that is unfolding. Jesus Christ has been crucified. He's been resurrected. He's, he's shown himself. He's made his appearance to the disciples. And remember last Sunday, teens? Remember what happened last Sunday? He ascends. Jesus ascends. The disciples are taking all this in. So it's a big eye thing. You know, what they see with their eyes. I mean, they take a lot in with their eyes. And so they're, they're, they are now testimonies or they give testimony to who Jesus Christ is. And so we kind of follow that line. So Jesus is ascended. But then in this passage, you know, we're coming to this new chapter. It's the new church. And they're kind of, you know, beginning to deal with the idea of what does the kingdom look like? 
You know, Jesus teaches his disciples, you know, to pray like this. You know, thy kingdom come. You know, thy kingdom come. What, what does the kingdom look like if we're to be Jesus? On Sunday nights, Pastor Jeff has been doing a, a, a really kind of a discipleship series that deals with the idea of being Jesus. Who is Jesus? Being Jesus. And some of you have been hearing that. And, and so it's appropriate as we ask the question... You know, what does the kingdom look like if we're to be Jesus? Because certainly the Messiah has come. We know that. He's ascended. And so now what does the church look like? So they're, again, getting organized, wondering about this question. And so let's read again. It's a lengthy passage. So hang in there. And then we'll get to some good stuff. Verse 12. Then the apostles returned to Jerusalem from the hill called Mount of Olives. A Sabbath, a Sabbath day walk from the city. When they arrived, they went upstairs to the room where they were staying. Those present were Peter, John, James, and Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew, James, son of Alphaeus, and Simon the Zealot, and Judas, son of James. That's 11. They all joined together constantly in prayer. Note that. They joined together constantly in prayer, along with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. In those days, Peter stood up, among the believers, a group numbering about 120, and said, Brothers and sisters, the scripture had to be fulfilled in which the Holy Spirit spoke long ago through David concerning Judas, who served as guide for those who arrested Jesus. He was one of our number and shared in our ministry. With the payment he received for his wickedness, Judas bought a field. There he fell headlong, his body burst open, and all his intestines spilled out. Everyone in Jerusalem heard about this, so they called that field in their language Al-Kadama, that is, field of blood. For, said Peter, it is written in the book of Psalms, may his place be deserted. Let there be no one to dwell in it, and may another take his place of leadership. Therefore, it is necessary to choose one of the men who have been with us the whole time the Lord Jesus was living among us. Beginning from John's baptism to the time when Jesus was taken up from us. For one of these must become a witness with us of his resurrection. So they nominated two men. You probably remember that. Joseph called Barsabbas, also known as Justice, and Matthias. Then they prayed, Lord, you know everyone's heart. Show us which of these two you have chosen to take over this apostolic ministry, which Judas left to go where he belongs. Then they cast lots, and the lot fell to Matthias, so he was added to the eleven apostles. Let us pray. Precious Father in heaven, I thank you for the word today. I pray that your anointing would be upon it as we, we really just, Lord, just ask ourselves, what is it that you're showing us in this, this New Testament church, the beginning here? I pray, Father, that you would just uh, speak to that heart, move that heart this morning that needs to hear your word today. And I pray that you would just lift up the one that maybe is discouraged. And, and, and Father, maybe there will be something that will catch fire. Something, Lord, maybe a truth that will just kind of jump to life in, in that one's heart today. And I pray that you'd speak to them. And, and uh, Lord, we just invite you to be here. Bless the reading of the word. We ask all these things in Jesus Christ's glorious name. Amen. Now, I want to jump right in here. The mission was before them. So imagine now, take a moment, imagine the weight of the responsibility that they had to share the gospel of Christ. I'm trying to, you know, I'm trying to wrap my mind around that. And I, I know they did not know that this was going to become what it, what it was, maybe some inclination 
you know, that this thing would surround the globe and, you know, travel through history and down through the centuries and all that. But, but notice this. They, they are moving outside of the system. They're, there's this risk. They're moving outside of the system. The normal rhythm of the systems uh, that, that people are, are familiar with, just as there are systems that we are comfortable and familiar with, that we work within. But imagine the challenge, because they are moving outside of the systems, out, outside and beyond the empire. I mean, talk about an organic movement and, and responding to the call of Jesus upon their lives, the mission that Jesus Christ leaves them. Now, there's two things they have going for them. Two things. First, it's the knowledge of prophecy. You see that scripture, the knowledge of prophecy. That's the first thing. The second thing, remember, they're witnesses of what? They're witnesses of the life of Christ. They're witnesses of the life of Christ. That's the word. So they have the scripture and they have the word. So they have that going for them as they move forward. <clears throat> and then what happens, it's really pretty cool. Look at the passage for a moment. There's this leader that emerges. You remember, it's upon this rock, I will build my church that Jesus says and he proclaims when he talks about Peter. And so Peter begins to surface here and we, we see something here that maybe we've not seen before before this point, which is cool. And, and so there's a couple things that I want to share or, or, or two, two ideas. One is that Peter, as a great leader here, he addresses the elephant in the room. How many of you have been in a situation like that where there's kind of this, this, this thing, this elephant in the room you know, this issue and nobody wants to talk about it. Right. It's, it, you know, it, you know, there's this tension that's happening and, you know, OK, I don't want to be the one. No, you be the one. And we just kind of put this thing off. But man, what he does, he, he addresses it. And the, the elephant in the room is the Judas incident. And, and rather than condemn him, he approaches the subject with the idea that Judas does not spoil God's plan. But Judas was a part of fulfilling God's plan. I mean, he's the one that led the soldiers to Jesus that this, that what had to happen as Christ is crucified, the plan of God unfolds. And, and so he just really gives it a, a positive look. And it's as if he's trying to say that, look, sometimes life is not perfect. Sometimes life, I mean, stuff happens, Right. And life's not perfect. And, 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 you know, we ask the question, well, what do we do? I mean, how do we process through this? On Wednesday night, I was helping John uh, Payton teach his Bible study. He has a, an adult Bible study on Wednesday night, if you're interested. And, and I was teaching in this place. He, he came in because of the traffic and the gas leak and all that on the freeway. And you remember that. And so anyhow, um, so I'm filling in and I'm teaching. And, and what comes up is the question, you know, I'm talking about faith, actually. But then, okay, it's nice to say, have faith, just believe. Jesus said that. Don't worry, just believe. You know, he said that to some of the people that were saying that Jairus' daughter was dead. Well, don't worry, just believe. Well, how do you do that when you've just been ran over with a dump truck? How do you do that when, man, you get hit so hard, you don't know what to do? And, and, you know, it's kind of a reminder here that life's not perfect and things are, are going to happen. And, you know, we, we could respond in a few ways because the response is it's key here. The disciples response. We can be immobilized by fear and do nothing. You see, that's what the disciples could have done. I mean, here's Judas, their leader, their master. Jesus is just crucified He's been killed and, and Judas is, you know, he, he's let him down. And, you know, the disciples could have said, I mean, why even try? 
Why even put the effort out? Because, man, it's just not going to work out. So we can be immobilized by fear and do nothing and trust no one ever again. Or we can say, well, maybe, maybe God is doing something. Maybe God is working in his machinations, some kind of will. Maybe we can really believe that all things work together for the good of those who love God. How many believe that this morning? Amen. And that maybe God is working through it. And we look at this passage and we see Peter kind of handling this and he does so masterfully. And and he does so in a, a specific way. And what he does is he's quoting, he's quoting scripture. It's interesting he's following the same pattern that Jesus gives us when Jesus was tempted, quoting scripture. Which shows his submission to the Father, just as the disciples do here at this point. I mean, they start out right, you know, by turning to Jerusalem, going to Jerusalem to tarry there because of the comfort that's coming. And, and they do that out of obedience, you know, maybe anticipation, the Great Commission, all that. And of course, we have that whole line of thought right there. But back to where I started at, I need to say this, if anybody can hear this, that the response is key. The response here is key. Peter shows how a Christian should respond given difficulty or given sudden change. Sudden change is happening in life or maybe, you know, maybe there's a difficult decision that has to be made. And it's very likely, it's very possible that there are people in the sanctuary this morning that are, are having to make some hard decisions. I mean, it's, it's possible that as teenagers especially, I think this is a different landscape than the one I grew up in. You guys have hard decisions. You have challenging decisions to make teens. And, and, and I know young adults, I mean, there's hard decisions. And, and, and so you say, well, how do you make decisions? Because here what we see, there's this disciple thing. They've got to pick a new disciple. Decisions have to be made. This leader's emerging And as he emerges, he's showing us, he's teaching us, church, how to make hard decisions. You say, well, pastor, what's he showing us? Here it is. The first thing that he shows us, he shows us that if we have a hard decision to make, now listen, if we have a hard decision to make, we go to Scripture. That's what Peter does. He quotes Scripture, again, following the example of Christ. He he turns to Scripture. Look at verse 16. Look at verse 16. He gives credit for the truth. That the word of God provides. And and it's curious how many times I hear people, you know, wonder what's what's God's will? What is God's will? I hear people ask that question. What is God's will? Or I hear people fabricate some concept, some idea based on experiences they've had where they stitch together their own homespun theology. (laughs) And then they wonder why things go sideways. You don't want things to go sideways, then you ask, what does the scripture have to say? You you want direction and and, and, uh, the know-how to make a decision. You go to the scripture and let the scripture make the decision. And and maybe I'm, I'm kind of being annoying, but man, I'm big on scripture. I'm big on the fact that as we move forward, that it's scripture that we base ministry on and scripture that we base our teaching on and scripture that we base our faith upon. Amen. I mean, it's good to get back to the basics sometimes, and that's kind of what he does here for us. He says, okay, we're going to make this decision. Here's how we're making the decision. He, we're going to turn to Scripture. And so he quotes Scripture. That, that's the key. What is the second thing that he does here? What's the second thing? We, we look at verse 24. So they prayed together. <laughs> they spent a lot of time in prayer. A lot of time in prayer. How do you make a decision? You turn to Scripture. What does the Scripture say? 
And then also, let's pray. And let's pray some more. And when you're done with that, get up, turn around, pray some more. (laughs) And just keep praying because God, he wants to answer. He wants to give you direction. He wants to bless you. Prayer is a part of that blessing. I love what one person said. They said, prayer is to the soul what air is to the body. (laughs) That's good, isn't it? I like that. It is. So, so this is good spiritual leadership that, that Peter's given here. And then the second movement here is, okay, so here's how to make the decision. Here's the second movement is a decision was made. So obviously God's building our faith, watching this new baby church. And, and now they make a decision and Peter helps them with this because he's the great leader, right? And, and maybe this is more Tony than it is scripture, but I'm going to say it anyways. Great leaders are decision makers. How many believe that this morning? Look at your hand. Do you agree with that? Great leaders tend to be good decision makers. Amen. And, and they, they, uh, they own up to the bad ones and then they give the good ones away. You, you know what that means? They give the good ones away. That means when something's a success, the leader doesn't take credit for it. He gives it to the other part of the team and he gives it away and, and he blesses them and builds them up. And so, so I, I really see in this passage there is power in decision making you know, and there's no telling what is not accomplished, what's left undone, what opportunity is missed by the lack of making a decision. Now, the enemy knows he doesn't have to get you to disobey God. He just has to get you to delay obedience. I copied that from somewhere. I thought that was so great. The enemy knows he doesn't have to get you to disobey God just to get you to delay obedience. And, and I don't know what it is the Lord is speaking to you about, because I believe any time we start verbalizing the word, spoken word, that we are speaking the word for a purpose. There's something that God has in mind, something that God is saying to someone in the sanctuary today. And, and it's not that you're being disobedient, but maybe delaying that obedience is something that the Lord is speaking to us about this morning. Amen. So... Um, the enemy certainly would not want you to be decisive about your faith. He does, he does not like that. He does not want you to really be decisive and say, <clears throat> well, I, I, I choose to follow Jesus. I, I, I am deciding to follow Jesus. I know that sounds like a song. <laughs> but the enemy, he wouldn't want you to decide that. He wants you to keep it kind of mamby-pamby and up there in the sky. Oh, maybe I'll walk, you know, and figure this thing out. Well, folks, the scripture shows us, Peter's showing us, that it's okay. We need to decide to say, I choose to walk in faith with Jesus Christ. Amen. And then he will bless that as you're decisive about following Jesus Christ. I, I, I will never forget my, my experience with a neighbor in Kimberly, Idaho. I was pastoring in Kimberly, Idaho, my wife and I, and... And we had a neighbor that was a drug addict, and uh, he was always high, and I'd like to caught him, at, you know, at a time he wasn't high, but there wasn't a time that he wasn't high, so, so I, I, I made friends with him, and we mowed lawns together, and you know how the conversation started, and we began to bond, and I, he was getting evicted, so he's going to end up going away, and, and, but he was just, his life was just shattered, and as he puts his joint out in his living room, I, I, I had this opportunity, his heart was sensitive, and I began to talk about Jesus. And I began to share 
with him my story of who Jesus is and how Jesus came into my life. And I didn't know him. And now that I know him and, and that I was not walking with Jesus and now I am walking with Jesus. And that I, I had some issues and guilt and, and I gave it to Jesus and Jesus loved me and he forgave me. And I made this decision to follow Jesus and the Lord opened the door so that I had a chance to bring him to that place to make this decision to follow Jesus. And, and if, if I were to try to describe it to you, the presence of the Holy Spirit, it felt as if you could, you could see it. You couldn't see it, but the Holy Spirit, he was there. I mean, he was present. It was thick. And God was speaking to this man because as I was sharing my story and how Jesus made a difference, he started crying and he continued to cry while I was sharing. And it was just he and I and it was private and he's crying and his face is wet and he's crying and he's under conviction and there, he's, there's guilt and he's needing to change his life. There's no question. He needs to change his life and Jesus was present. And, 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 and then I, I brought it to that point where he could make a decision. And he held his hand up like this, his finger up like this, and I'll never forget it. He's kind of leaning over a little bit. He just put, he's holding up like this. And, and he held it for a while. And there was silence for a while. And he's holding it up like this, you know, like, hold on, hold on. He said, he looked up. And he could tell he just had this battle going on. And he said... I know I should, but not now. Lord. And he repeated again, I know I should. I know I should, but not now. I am uh, reminded of this quote. Do not put off today what you will be sorry for tomorrow. I think the reality, he moved away and we end up moving to another church and I don't know the result of that. I, I think the reality that clears away the fog and separates you know, the boys from the men, so to speak, is, is being clear about your values. If there was like a quote to remember, here it is. I think this, I, I wrote this, but I, I want us to get it. When your values are clear to you, making decisions becomes easier. When your values are clear to you, making decisions becomes easier. I mean, really knowing what it is that you value, really knowing what it is that you care about. You know, this is telling us something of Peter. I mean, impetuous Peter, as we look at the passage this morning, you know, emotional Peter. I mean, he was the first to stick his foot in his mouth. I can relate to Peter <laughs> because I do that. I, I, I say stuff sometimes. Before I think about it and I stick my foot in my mouth and I get, you know, and then I'm at the back. But, you know, with Peter, he had conviction. His convictions were pure and they were real and clearly drawn. And he was fully invested in Peter. He, he walks on the water. And then, of course, he begins to sink. And we see this Peter that rises as, as a leader here. And now he, he's being, you know, of course... Led by the Lord, I believe, and, and helping the church begin to launch in this baby state. And, 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 and it's like he's trying to bring us to a place, even as we are reading the word today, a place where a decision is being made. And the invitation is that we make a decision and we make a stand for Christ. And sometimes I know that's risky. I know it's not PC. 
I, I know it may not be popular to say, I believe in this, and this is what the Scripture says. I know that. And I know we may be shunned in some ways, but man, he's challenging us right here to stand for Jesus Christ. And I understand that sometimes the hardest decisions in life is to know which bridges to cross and which bridges to burn. And, you know, it's, it's, we, we kind of, you know, we wrestle with that sometimes because we think that we have to continue to, you know, help, you know, people and be friends with people. And we're a new believer ourselves. But, you know, for you to be successful, sometimes you've got to burn some old bridges so that you can grow in Christ and be discipled yourself so you can get strong enough. Then one day you can build those bridges and share Jesus. I, I mean, I don't know what the scenario is for you, but but sometimes the hardest decisions in life is, is to know which bridges to cross, which to burn. And the Holy Spirit will lead you. Sometimes you cross bridges that you cannot easily uncross, like maybe a marriage. Or maybe a commitment that you've made, or maybe you've signed a contract or something's happened. And, you know, you're, you're just scratching your head. You're thinking, why in the world have I done this? Have you ever done that before? You know, you've committed to something or you've gotten involved in something. And you're thinking, man, I, I just, I probably shouldn't have done this. It's hard to back up because you made this decision several years ago, about 10 years ago, just to add a little levity to our situation here. I, uh, I thought I was going to become eco-friendly. You know, and that's not normally in my wheelhouse, but I was going to become eco-friendly and, and make less of a carbon footprint. And so I decided to buy an electric push lawnmower. Now, listen, OK, this is before they had the nice plug in battery pack and you can push. The, this is a time when they were still very kind of new, you know, a newer time. And, and all of them had an extension cord. And you had to plug the thing in, and then you had to kind of guide the extension cord. Man, it was a pain. I, I cut that cord like nine different times. I mean, that cord is just wrapped in black tape. Oh, in fact, I threw the cord away because it wouldn't work anymore. I bought another cord, and I cut that cord up about six times. I mean, the thing was... You know what's the worst part about it, Tracy? Is that the thing, can, the, the, the thing would not die. I'm thinking, okay, I'll wear this out. Because the gas lawnmowers, and for you girls, any girls mow the lawn... Any girl? Okay, so you know the gas lawnmowers, they'll, burn, they'll wear out in five years. This stinking electric lawnmower, this push black and decker, cheap, you know, lawnmower, it wouldn't die. I mean, it cut up the cords, it kept on going. Nine years into it, it's still running. And I'm, oh my. So I accidentally left it behind my son's truck. And my other son was trimming the lawn and thought he needed to move the truck. And so he jumps in, gets his, my other son's keys, and he, he moves the truck. He runs over the lawnmower. The plastic top of the Black & Decker lawnmower is cracked. I'm thinking, hallelujah, the lawnmower's dead. Guess what? This thing still runs like a top. I couldn't believe it. And so we left it at the house in Florida in the garage. Maybe the, the renters will use it or throw it away or something. But anyhow, the thing just wouldn't die. And I wanted to get out of this relationship, so I moved to California. That worked. I rented a house. I have no lawn to mow. But, but anyhow, sometimes we cross the bridge. We're just trying to figure out how do we undo this? How do we undo this? And it's possible that there are some things that maybe that need to be undone. You know, maybe there's some things that the Lord is saying, okay, you need to back up on this because it's not in my will. And, and you know, that's up to you and what the Lord is speaking to you about. But be careful about our decisions here and listen to the Holy Spirit. And then the next movement of the passage here is you remember what happens is they cast lots, lots which is kind of a very visual thing because 
Um, in my research, I, I learned that the lots are like, they at times were sticks with markings. They were little thin kind of square, squared off sticks with markings on the sides. Or they were rocks with markings on them. And so you can imagine the atmosphere as they're kneeling down. And I imagine they're kneeling down. And I can imagine the tension in the air because, you know, a decision is being made. And so these two guys are being voted on. I don't know if you've ever been voted on. I'm a pastor. I get voted on, okay? At least by the church board. And it, it's kind of, there's some pressure. And, and there's some tension a little bit when you go through that. And, and, and so you, these guys are getting voted on, and I can imagine that everybody's kneeling, and you can hear the clickety-click of the sticks as they're being tossed, and, and, and maybe the dust, you can smell the dust, and maybe the people that are pressing in and watching the, the, the stones, maybe whatever they were, uh, they were casting lots. And, of course, we read the passage here, and, and we, we see the, the results of, of the casting of lots. Now... The Bible does not condemn this, but if we think about it, they no longer cast lots after Pentecost. So the idea is that after the day of Pentecost, there's no need to cast lots to figure out what God wants to do, because now the Comforter has come, the Holy Spirit's arrived, and it's the Holy Spirit that speaks to us now. You know, not the lots, not the dice. But now that we have the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit speaks to us. And so you can imagine, you know, what's happening here. It's, it's a very big deal. And in the atmosphere of this passage in the text, you see human elements. Obviously, again, the tension, maybe the sweat, maybe, you know, the, the, the excitement, the emotion of the response as they roll the, and cast the lots. Maybe it's two out of three or something like that. It's, you can imagine the voices, oh, or yeah, I mean, whatever the emotion response. Then the spiritual, the spiritual dynamics here. So you could almost say this was a three-dimensional reality. But maybe, maybe the, the challenging part of it was the human element part. Because the human element part was the judgment part, the judgmental part of it. You know, that they got picked and I didn't. You follow what I'm saying? Oh, they got chosen and I didn't. And I, I think this is where we connect. I think this is where, I think this is where we connect. Because we all want to be accepted. We all want to be accepted by our peers, right? We all want to be accepted by the group. We all want to be accepted by maybe our job or, you know, the atmosphere of the job. We, we want approval. We want approval. Sometimes we're voted on. We want approval. And so we can all relate in this scenario as we come to this passage, because I believe it, it's really pointing us into one direction and one place, and that is the message of Jesus Christ. Because, you see, the idea was, was that Pentecost was coming. Pentecost was coming. Amen. And the people, this ragtag little team would explode with power. Why? Because the spirit would come upon them and they would have the power then to communicate the primary message. And the primary message was not a lot of the stuff that we're talking about here. The primary message was Jesus Christ. It's the Jesus Christ message and, and that someone has voted on you and see the world needs to hear that. You see the people outside of the church, outside of the sanctuary, people in the streets, people in your schools, people at the workplace, they need to know that, that somebody has voted on them. And that somebody that has voted on them is Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is for you and about you and he died for you. That's what this passage is about. It is that Jesus Christ wants to be a part of their lives, wants to be a part of your life. And really, the example Peter gives us is that maybe it's time to make a decision. 
or maybe to undo a decision. To hear God's voice, to hear the voice of our Savior, you know, as he says, I'm about you and I'm for you. And and I, I invite you to make this decision in faith to say, I want to walk in faith with Jesus Christ. And I'll never forget when God gave me that chance to discover for myself that that Jesus was my biggest fan. Jesus is Tony Miller's biggest fan. And Jesus is your biggest fan. And he loves you and he wants to be a part of your life. And, you know, again, I believe the enemy would love for you to just kind of keep it all kind of mystical. But you see, it's simple. Jesus loves you. He wants to be a part of your life. Decide to say, I choose to walk with Jesus. Amen. And I believe God will bless that decision as you walk with Jesus Christ and you serve him. I want to invite us to pray in just a moment. Let's do that. Let's stand, in fact, as we prepare. In a, a couple of weeks, we're going, to, we're going to have a corporate communion. And I, I just want us to begin to think about that. A couple of weeks, we're going to have a corporate communion where you'll come and receive the element. That's in two weeks. And receive the element and take it back to your seats. And, and we'll instruct you and we'll take it together as... As a corporate body, because I think it's important that we are we see and we participate in the Holy Sacrament as one. Because there's something special in the idea that, that we are a community. We are a community that is one in Jesus Christ. And as we understand that oneness, we participate in the Holy Communion that way. We're reminded of the strength and power that we have as we work together for the glory and the cause of Christ. Amen. And then after that. We may have a response sometimes, we may not. I mean, it just depends on what the theme of the service is, and we're going to let that we're going to let that really move us and direct us as far as what we're going to do. So we're not in a rut. We want to be uh, we want to be obedient to the Holy Spirit as the Holy Spirit leads us. But today we have some servers. Won't you come and help us? And and I want to invite us just to make a decision for Christ. Make a decision. Maybe, maybe it's kind of been vague in your mind, and you're hearing maybe for the first time, I need to choose to walk with Jesus. I want to invite you to let communion be that for you, that you are, you are coming to receive the sacrament of representation of Jesus Christ's broken body and his shed blood, and that those that take this with the remission of sins, this means you repent of your sin, and you say, Jesus, forgive me, and I want you to come into my life, you receive life everlasting by this act. So today, as we take it, it is it's decision-making time. Pastor Kelly, she called me and she, she said, Pastor, what, what's Sunday about? And I said, it's about, it's about making a decision. Making a decision. Maybe it's a decision to reverse something because you're not in God's will. A decision to, to just be obedient to God. But I believe that maybe this is a groundbreaking moment for somebody. And we can just take this communion to glory, to the glory of God and just make this decision. What is it? Are you choosing Jesus? Is some other decision? But let's worship as we participate in this Holy Communion. I'm going to pray a blessing on it. Father in heaven, I thank you for our, our opportunity today to just receive the sacrament. I thank you, Lord, that you give us many ways to respond. And we have different places to respond here in our response stations. But, but Lord, in this holy sacrament, I pray that you would just anoint it as we receive the body and the blood of Christ, that you'll be lifted and glorified as we do. We ask all these things 
In Jesus Christ's name, amen.